Uh, let's see now. This would be the New and Better podcast, episode 24. Here's the tease. What we're going to be exploring is what God downloaded. What did God download to Paul there in the desert? What did, what did Paul come to an understanding of when he was caught up into the third into the third heaven and saw unspeakable, indescribable things? So much, and all of it impacts, has an impact on us. All of it is a part of our inheritance. Congratulations. Through the powerful providence of a benevolent benefactor, you've stumbled onto this delicious digital booyah base. Hosted by yours truly, hipster grandfather, David A. Holland. Here, we explore the too-good-to-be-true, poorly understood, badly neglected realities of what Jesus actually launched 2,000 years ago. A new covenant. A better covenant based on better promises. So, Check your religion at the door, grab a beverage, grab a Bible, strap in, gird your loins. This is the New and Better Podcast. There's this 40-year, there's this 40-year window into which basically Jesus has commissioned the eleven to go make a case to every Jewish person you can find that the Messiah, the anointed one, came. And that he arrived and he is basically is establishing a new, uh, a new covenant. He's established his kingdom and he's establishing a, a covenant through which you can have a relationship with God. The old covenant's passing away. A new opportunity for you to have a relationship with God is coming. He commissioned the 11 uh, to go do that. Uh, we know that judgment is coming and that God is, Jesus had already made arrangements for them to be warned and to get out of Jerusalem before Jer- the, the noose closes around Jerusalem's neck. But here's a pre-evacuation. Here we are, just within the stoning of Stephen. I've got a timeline we'll look at here in a minute, but we talked about this a little bit last week. If Jesus was born in 3 or 4 B.C., had a 30-year ministry, uh, 30 years before he began a three-year ministry, then was crucified, the crucifixion and resurrection would have taken place around AD 30. We know from other ways of calculating this timeline of Paul's life and ministry that he had his Damascus Road salvation experience, which is just coming up here, around AD 34, 35. Some authorities think 36. That we're in that neighborhood, let's say 35 to split the difference. So basically, five years have gone by of, of evangelism from where we were in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost to here we are in Acts chapter 8 with the stoning of Stephen, chapter 7. We've got a four or five year period of time that's passed of the church exploding in Jerusalem. And lots of people are carrying the good news on the trade routes and to their relatives in other parts of the land as well, but the, still the center of gravity of the church is absolutely in Jerusalem. But here, with the stoning of Stephen, that begins to change. The center of gravity of Christianity, of, this, of the new covenant, is, is, is beginning to change. And what we see here is that most of the body leaves. They scatter outside of Jerusalem, but the apostles stay behind. Uh, that's what verse, um, verse 1 here tells us. Look at verse 4. Uh, Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. Jesus is 
instruction to the to the eleven just before his ascension was preach, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to do everything that I, I, I taught you in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost outermost parts of the world. There's these concentric rings, these outer circles. So here we are. We're, the, we're at Samaria now. It's interesting here in this chapter, Philip uh, encounters an Ethiopian returning from uh, Jerusalem. He's headed home from, from Jerusalem. For hundreds of years, the Ethiopians had already had an affinity for Judaism. There was a king uh, of um, Ethiopia who had claimed relationship, kinship to Solomon. And he taught, uh, and everyone believed it. Uh, and there's reason to think that he wasn't crazy, that basically when uh, uh, the Queen of Sheba had come to visit Solomon, he basically took her as a, uh, they had relations, and a son was born, and the son that she gave birth to as was basically a son of Solomon. His descendants became the royal line of Ethiopia. Whether that's true or not, the Ethiopians believed it for centuries prior to the birth of Christ. They believed that it was absolutely true. They, they based their right to rule the, the throne of Ethiopia on that belief that they were connected to Solomon. So what you have in Ethiopia for hundreds of years prior to the arrival of, of uh, Jesus is an affinity on the part of the Ethiopians for Judaism. And so here we have Queen Candace, or the Kandake, um, of uh, Kandake means in, in uh, the Ethiopian language literally means queen. Her treasurer, she sent her treasurer to a feast, a pilgrimage feast in Jerusalem. And he's on his way back to Ethiopia. And to this day, Ethiopia is one of the, one of the most Christian nations in Africa, has the longest Christian heritage of any place in Africa, probably other than, than Egypt. Flip over to chapter 9, and here we see Paul's encounter with God. Let's just read this quickly in chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So this is sometime shortly after the stoning of Stephen. We're, we're told by Acts that Paul approved of the stoning of Stephen. Paul, later on in one of his letters, will testify to the fact that he basically had watched everyone's coat. Because if you're going to stone someone to death, you've got to kind of strip down a little bit so you can really get some, some heat on those stones that you're throwing at someone's head. So he's watching everybody's stuff and approving as Stephen is being stoned to death. Uh, then he goes to the, the legal authorities. We saw last week that what the Romans were allowing at that time was essentially a law within a law. There was the civil law of the Romans, but there was the religious law of the, 
of the Jewish people. And the Romans were saying, okay, you've got your own laws, you've got your own things, do your own thing. Uh, just keep everyone calm. And so basically Paul goes and he gets permission from the, the Jewish legal leadership there, the great Sanhedrin, to arrest anyone who is a Jesus follower. Not only in Jerusalem, but because most of the Jesus followers have now scattered. They're in Antioch, they're in Samaria, they're in uh, Damascus. There's obviously a clearly strong, there's a strong beachhead of, of the faith in Damascus. He's gotten permission to go and basically drag them back to Jerusalem just for simply claiming the name of Jesus and, and arresting them. And uh, he's, um, he'll approve having them killed. Here, as we know the story very well, Jesus interrupts him with a supernatural encounter, knocks him off of his horse, he's blinded. And it's so significant that, that Paul's words or Jesus' words there are, why are you persecuting me? Who, who Saul was persecuting were believers. They were people who had received Jesus, been baptized, had claimed his name, had entered into the new covenant. Yet from Jesus' perspective, Saul's persecution was of him because we are his body in the earth. You know, Jesus, yes, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, but Jesus is very much alive and well on planet earth because he's in us. We are his body, his hands, his feet. His, his actors, his representatives in this earth. And if somebody persecutes you, they're persecuting Jesus. Jesus takes it personally when somebody persecutes you or persecutes his people, which is why I know, I know that I know that a time is going to come and we may be in our lifetimes when we see the collapse of Islam. And I believe we're going to see a time and it could be in our lifetimes when we see a collapse of, uh, of the current ruling government in China. And we're going to see those things because they are persecuting Jesus. And it's, it will happen. It will happen. It happened to the Soviet Union. It will happen to Islam. It will happen uh, to what China's doing. Uh, because God is patient. Jesus, Jesus is patient. But when people are hurting his people who have his name, simply because they carry his name. They are persecuting Jesus. So the thing that I want you to see here is, if you read the rest of it, and, and I encourage you to do it, you can do it in a couple of seatings, sittings, read the rest of, of the book of Acts. And from then on, as we know, Paul gets his sight restored. Then if, if, if you were a Jewish scholar, as Paul was, he was a Pharisee, He'd been raised, uh, his bio he gives uh, in Galatians tells us that he had basically been sort of an overachieving student uh, among the Pharisees and among the, the religious uh, schools of Judaism from a very young age. Suddenly discovers that the man who claimed to be the Messiah really was the Messiah and that all those people that he'd been with for th three years, they had been telling the truth, had been hanging out with him and heard every word that he said. Uh, saw everything that he did. Now here Paul all of a sudden discovers that they were telling the truth and that Jesus is who they were saying Jesus was. He knows that he knows that he knows that's true. What he does next, and Mark made reference to this last week, what he does next makes no sense to any of our natural minds. What he does next is he goes into the desert. The first thing we would have done is we've said, okay, these guys who have been hung out with Jesus for three years, heard every word he said, 
saw everything that he did. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to run down and I'm going to hang out with them and, and learn everything I can from them. Turn back over to Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter 1 again. I'm going to wrap up here in just a couple of minutes. We saw, we, we, we read verse 11 and 12 where he says, I didn't get this gospel that I'm preaching from any man. I got it directly as a, from an unveiling of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely jealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I'm not lying, that I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Hey, we're just getting warmed up here. The best stuff is still ahead. But first, you're going to want to experience the revelatory explosion I call page two. If we're being real, not religious, real, we can all admit that from time to time we read a verse or a passage in the Bible and say, wait, what? Or, what was that? This is even true with the uh, red letters in our Bibles. Yes, even some of the sayings and doings of Jesus are mysterious, and when we read them, they leave us scratching our heads. Those red letters contain a lot of surprises, a few shocks, even some scandals. Well, here's great news. In my new Kindle ebook, Jesus Said What Now? Yours truly, David A. Holland, has chosen 10 of the biggest, toughest mysteries and hard sayings of Jesus and solved them for you. As you read this little jewel of a book, you'll discover that often a little historical perspective or a slight shift in theological paradigm can take something that seemed confusing or contradictory or just plain weird and make it make beautiful, encouraging sense. Now, you're just a couple of clicks away from having your grubby mitts on your very own electronic copy of Jesus Said What Now? You'll find a link at the top of my website at davidaholland.com. So run, don't walk your clicky finger over to davidaholland.com and grab it. I suspect it will blow your mind and strengthen your faith at the same time. Okay, now back to the life-transforming content I'm serving up absolutely free of charge today so paul has this encounter with jesus jesus reveals him to him and he immediately goes into the desert which is the classic pattern of of hearing from god 
Moses basically is in the desert, in the wilderness, shepherding his uh, father-in-law's um, his father-in-law's flocks. He sees a burning bush, has an encounter with God. God directly begins to tell him things. Moses has additional encounters with with um, with God up on the mountain, where God reveals Himself, reveals His truth, reveals His plans, gives instruction. As a matter of fact, and I think Mark, you you pointed this out in an exchange we had. Paul says he went away to Arabia. Let me pull up a map here. Here's a map of the Roman Empire at that time. Can you see my cursor here? Mm-hmm. That's you know that's the Holy Land right there. Uh, during uh, shortly after uh, AD seventy, this is uh, this is the Roman Empire in uh, AD one seventeen. After AD seventy, uh, the uh, districts of Judea and Galilee and uh, were blended into one called Syria Palestina. So that's there. And then this yellow district here to the right and all the way down on the Sinai Peninsula and down along the coast of Arabia, that's basically a district known as Arabia. So the point is, is that Paul's up here in Damascus, but it says he went into the desert into Arabia, which some said he could have just gone east here into and and technically been in the Arabian desert. But it's very, very... it's intriguing. It's, it's interesting to think that it's possible that this Moses of the New Covenant would have actually been in the same area, same vicinity, maybe even the same place. So, you know, and they don't just allow Christians to poke around in there and do a whole lot of, of uh, Christian-y stuff. So my point is, is that Paul very counterintuitively, being, being led by the Spirit, and this, this goes hand in hand with everything that we saw in the prophetic ministry of Jesus' teaching. If Jesus is, if the bulk of his ministry, if what he was saying and declaring wasn't declaring new covenant revelation, he, but, but, but his prophetic ministry was calling the old covenant people into faithfulness under the old covenant. We, we know that John the Baptist said, repent. Then Jesus picked up his mantle and started saying, repent. Well, repent to what? If I if I tell you if I, you know if if I when our daughters were younger if I said be in before midnight and they're not in by midnight and I ask them to repent it's well repent in relationship to a standard we set a standard the only standard is be in by be in by midnight none of them ever did that by the way um, you're good girls but. Um, but if you're calling for someone to repent, it's because they've fallen out of line with the standard that you've established. Well, the only standard was Jesus is preaching and teaching. The only standard that had been established was the standard of the Mosaic Covenant, the true spirit of it, the, the, the true spirit of the Abrahamic Mosaic thing, not this distorted, twisted, Talmudified, Babylon, Babylonized thing that had come out of, come out of captivity in Babylon. Uh, so clearly, if, if, everything that we, if, if, if everything that we've seen about the way to think about Jesus' parables, the way to think about Jesus' prophetic preaching, it's not that Jesus never said anything about the new covenant. As a matter of fact, from time to time, somebody would pull him into a teaching about the new covenant or pull him into priestly mode. For example, he's talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. 
and he's having this conversation with her about where, you know, my, well, my ancestors say we should, this is where, you know, God shows up. He shows up on this mountain over here, but your people um, say that he shows up on that mountain over there. And Jesus says, gets pulled into a revelation of the new covenant by this woman's questions and says, well, let me just tell you, a time is coming when neither that mountain nor that mountain is going to mean anything. A time is coming when this new covenant comes in, when geography is not going to be a part of the equation. That anybody, anywhere, at any place on earth can encounter and be with God. That day is coming. Jesus is basically telling the woman, he's, he's speaking new covenant truth to her. So this isn't to say that Jesus was, was, was never revealing the new, new covenant, but the bulk of what he was saying and doing was all about his prophetic, his prophetic task. Uh, to fulfill all righteousness. And if that's the case, then, uh, then of course Paul didn't go spend time with the apostles. Of course he didn't. Of course he had to get the download of, of what the new covenant was directly from the mediator of the new covenant, Jesus himself, which is precisely what happened. As a matter of fact, in one of his epistles, he talks about the fact that he was, he talks about it in the third person, that he was caught up into heaven at one point and had an encounter in heaven and saw things and heard things and witnessed things that human language is incapable of describing. Paul had some significant, significant encounters happen to him out there in the desert. And then in this three year period of time, then, and only then, he's, he's gotten this new covenant download from the cloud, literally. Um, <laughs> he's connected, he, he logs onto the cloud and down, gets a download it's a complete new system upgrade uh, in, in the process. And then he goes uh, to Jerusalem for 15 days and meets only Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. Doesn't see any of the other uh, disciples. Then he leaves and he's gone for years. Then if, as we go through the book of Acts, we'll see he'll go back later, about ten, uh, seven to ten years later, he'll go back uh, to Jerusalem only to correct them only to essentially to, to, to rebuke them for starting to succumb to this movement that's taking place to, ju- to, re- to re-mosaicize the new covenant. Because what the book of Acts is, the book of Acts is essentially, it's a, book of, it's a story of a war. It's, the war starts on the day of Pentecost with that first Peter's sermon. And that war is for the hearts and the minds of the Jewish people in the this Roman Empire and to the other places where Jewish Jews were living out here to the east. A battle is taking place. It's this sorting that Jesus said over and over again in his parables had talked about. Wheat's going to be sorted from the chaff. My angels, my messengers are going to go forth to the east and to the west, to every point of the compass, and they're going to it's all about getting sorting out. Some are going to go this way, some are going to go this way. Uh, and the book of Acts is this is this chess match. It's this war between those like Paul who are bringing to the Jewish people this good news, the gospel, these good, this good tidings about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and he is the complete fulfillment of everything that Moses was pointing to, everything that Abraham was promised, everything that David was talking about. He is it. He is the man. He came. He, he, he's it. He did it. And his kingdom has been initiated bringing that message and those who oppose that message to try to keep Jewish hearts and minds
from embracing that message. So if, read the rest of the book of Acts. Read chapters 10 through, through, the, through the end of it. And what you're going to see is over and over and over again, Paul shows up at a new city. He starts working his way around this way. He, you know, oh, by the way, here's Tarsus. This is Cilicia, uh, right up here in this corner of the Mediterranean Sea. That's where Tarsus, that's where Paul's from. And uh, he gets up in here, and he wants to take the gospel into Asia. He, he, wants, to, he wants to move the Asia uh, up in here and start preaching to basically his countrymen and the neighbors of his countrymen. But the Holy Spirit got, grabs him and says, nope, nope, you're going this way. Go west, young man. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he gets over into here. There's a little place right here. This is the dividing point between Asia and Europe. He gets right here and he has a dream from a, of a man from Macedonia. And in his dream he sees, as you read the book of Acts, this man from Macedonia, Macedonia saying, come over and, and preach to us, teach to us. And so Paul does and basically the gospel begins to move from that point forward from east to west. Where's Israel? It's right here. And then modern day Lebanon here, modern day Syria here. Most of the... You know, if you're going to get from here to Rome, land is not the way to go. And ship would have been the normal way to go. And we're going to see. Basically, he goes Exactly. Exactly. Uh, he's directed by dreams, visions, and by prophetic pronouncements from the Spirit to go to Europe. Look at verse, we're going to close right now with Second uh, Corinthians. What I was saying is that over and over, Paul... We'll go to a new city. The first thing he'll do is go to the synagogue. He'll preach. Now, we just saw him that he described himself as an apostle to the Gentiles. There were 11 apostles, and actually they they drafted a new one to replace Judas. So there were 12 apostles to the Jews. And their job was to take the gospel to the Jewish people all over wherever Jewish people were. Paul gets a calling, and his calling, he knows, he understands, is to the Gentiles. Yet, even though... And uh, every time he comes to a new city, the first place he stops is the synagogue and, and preaches. And what we see repeatedly, you know, he'd been a part of this early movement out of Jerusalem to try to, to, try to thwart this emerging church. Well, just because he joined the other side didn't mean that movement stopped. Out of Jerusalem and throughout the network of synagogues, throughout uh, all, all of the synagogues in the known world at that point would have had ties to Jerusalem because everybody went there for the pilgrimage feasts. Word went out that there's this new and growing movement, the sect of these Jesus people, and uh, they're coming, and they're coming to your synagogue, and you need to be ready for them, and you need to be prepared with an, with an answer for them. So early on, Paul would preach at these uh, synagogues, and uh, he would, a lot of people would come over uh, and embrace the message. Uh, of observant Jews, even some of the priests, Hellenized Jews, and the God-fearing ones, the Gentiles who were hanging around the synagogue because they were attracted to the Mosaic Covenant, they would all say say yes, and then there would be this backlash. And uh, Paul would end up, either there would be a riot, or he'd be arrested, or he'd be stoned, or beaten to death, or near, nearly to death. And we see him kind of recount that. Second Corinthians is one of the last epistles he wrote. So this is late in his ministry, he would have he died in sixty six, probably Nero, uh, the lunatic antichrist. Nero uh, killed him. But in verse twenty two, I'm sorry, chapter eleven, verse twenty two, Second Corinthians. 
Are they super apostles of yours, Hebrews? Well, I am too. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? Me too. Are they servants of the Anointed One? I'm beside myself when I speak this way, but I am much more of a servant than they. I have worked much harder for God, taken more beatings, and been dragged to more prisons than they. I've been flogged excessively, multiple times, even to the point of death. Five times I've received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. Three times I experienced being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. There's a, an account, if you read through the book of Acts, there's an account where early on he goes to a place... The riot, a riot ensues, they stone him, and then they drag him outside the city and throw him essentially on the garbage dump, assuming he's dead. And it was really, I mean, they, they knew he was dead, and yet he, um, he recovered. Three times I've been shipwrecked. For an entire day, a night and a day, I was adrift in the open sea. In my difficult travels, I've faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, and even my own people. I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, with storms at sea and with spies posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water, left hungry and shivering out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. Uh, and besides these painful circumstances, I have the daily pressure of my responsibility for all the churches with a deep concern weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare. So there, Paul basically summarizes the rest of the book of Acts for you. But what it unfolds is of this, of this battle. And the battle was twofold. It was the, the part of the, the, the Jewish establishment to keep people from embracing this gospel. Uh, and secondarily, a battle to take the new movement and pull it back in to Judaism. To pull it back into the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, and um, it was... It, over and over again, we see Paul in his letters warning against this, and we're going, to see, we're going to see it. As Paul begins to articulate the new covenant, a significant amount of the time, what he's having to do is to oppose these efforts to mosaicize the new, the new covenant. And he won't have it. He, 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 will not, he will not have it. So there's so much in what we're going to be exploring is what God downloaded. What did God download to Paul? There in the desert, what did what did Paul come to an understanding of when he was caught up into the third, into the third heaven and saw unspeakable, indescribable things? So much, and all of it impacts has an impact on us. All of it is a part of our inheritance. All of it is a part of our birthright in this new covenant. We're all living beneath our privileges. We're all currently living at a lower level than what. Uh, Jesus provided for us in this new and better way. Uh, so that's what we're going to be exploring uh, over the weeks to come, one facet at a time. Well, I think I've given you all the good news you can handle for one session. The only thing left to do is page three. So, have you connected with me on social media yet? What? In the name of all that's good and wholesome, are you waiting for? You'll find links to all my brilliant social media manifestations on my About page at davidaholland.com. That's davidaholland.com. That's it for this session. Until next time, stay at rest and at peace, and please remember, 
God is better than you think, and you're more loved than you know.